Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning, and glad you can make it. Ventured out in the weather, and uh, I know not everybody's a fan of this, but I'm like, finally, I get my snow shovel out. This is going to be great. We love it. We love it. So uh, we're just so glad we got here safely this morning. We're thinking about those who aren't here with us today. We think of Pastor Brad as he's off serving and helping and assisting at another church right now. And uh, we look forward to having a great time this morning. Um, this season is hard in some ways. For those of us who know Christ, there's that unbelievable joy that our Savior, as we celebrate in remembrance of Him arriving, His incarnation. But there's still the details of life to deal with. And there are people right now that love the Lord. There are people right now that don't know the Lord, and circumstances are tough. Um, just a couple of days ago, I had a friend pass away. A uh, day before that, a buddy's dad passed away. We're going to be going to my aunt's funeral this, next, this Friday. And we just had a uh, relative that found out she has advanced cancer. So it's just tough. But I know there's others out there that have lost jobs unexpectedly. You know, I see our campaign for chairs. Um, and Todd did a great job. It was a very generous gifting of $15,000 in a very short period of time. So that's just very, very exciting. I, I want to say something. Um, this is a, just a personal testimony here before we get into the message. But when Jill and I moved back from Alabama, um, we, were, we were in a pretty tight spot financially. And uh, you know, we landed, we got our place, and um, started working. But we were, funds weren't plentiful. We found a church near us that loved the Lord, loved God's word, preached it. And we started attending there. There was only about 100 of us. And the church started to grow. And they had a cheer campaign, just like we just did. And to be honest with you folks, I didn't have the extra money to put down for a chair. That was hard. It was tough. I really wanted to participate in that. I had friends that I wanted to come and be at that church with us. And over time, that happened. Okay? But there was a period of time where just me internally, it was just, it was just boiling inside that I didn't get to participate in that. And I just had to put it over, give it over to the Lord and say, hey, listen, I couldn't do it this time, Lord, but man, next time I'd really love to be part of it. And so this time, we were. And unbeknownst to me, until this week, and I talked to Brad about sharing this this morning, um, he and Barb and Jill and I are both able to give the same amount of money to this campaign. We each bought 10 chairs. And um, the Lord provided funds over and above what we ordinarily have. And, you know, for years, we prayed about this, and here this opportunity comes up, and we get to participate in a way that we really wanted to. But I just want to make sure everybody here this morning knows this. If you are short and you put your offerings in the offering plate because we don't want to take offerings out of our general offerings, but you don't have money left over for a chair, that's fine. That's fine. The chairs will come. I said a few weeks ago, when we get through this month of campaign, the Lord's going to have us exactly where He wants us financially, and He does. And so maybe in the coming weeks or months, there will be an opportunity for you to give toward that. So look forward to it. 
And uh, I'm just really, really thankful for the opportunity to uh, participate in that with Brad. And like I said, I talked to him about it first before I wanted to say anything. But I just think it's really important because right now some people are great. Things are awesome. For Jill and I, in a lot of ways. And sometimes, and some, some, for some people right now, things are kind of tough. And that's okay too. It's absolutely okay. All right? And uh, so... Uh, let me just pray for just a minute here. Um, we'll have a, maybe a little bit of levity coming up here, but um, I don't want to dismiss the um, sincerity of this prayer. Father, we just thank you as we get to look into your word this morning that we just know you're overseeing this whole morning. You're orchestrating it. You're, we're putting our words out there with the offering of that you would just speak through us. And uh, Father, I just thank you for every person. And there's so many here this morning and others watching online live broadcast, Father, that for every soul that came out in this inclement day, for everybody that's here to hear from you. And uh, Lord, for those of us who have just, life's been tough and things have, have transpired that are beyond our control, Lord, we just pray for each of us. And we just thank you that and we offer these simple words up as people who just love you. And maybe there's some here this morning that are hurting and they don't understand how to love you yet. Father, we just pray this morning that they would, they would be touched by your love and they would come to know you personally. So Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together, to spend this time in worship, and to focus on you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 2, um, we're going to turn there today. We're going to look at the first couple of verses. Before you do that, is, this, is, this, is there a picture? Can you throw that picture up there on the screen? All right, we're going to talk about worship today. Now, Dave Sprague caught this fish back in September, I believe it was. And I was going to speak the first week in October, and that's when, uh, you know, Jill's birthday was October the 3rd. So I decided to give her COVID for her birthday. She and I both had COVID. So Brad had to quickly come together and bring a message. So I promised David that I would put this picture up there. And it didn't happen because I didn't speak. So David has been gently reminding me almost, almost weekly that uh, I owe him a picture. And so we put that up there. But what does this picture have to do with worship? I think it has everything to do with worship. Okay, the fact that I'm a little jealous is that's a really nice big muskie that he caught. That's awesome. But you know what? He's in a boat with Jack Garvin, and that's Ben Garvin, Jack's brother, in that picture. And those two men said, David Sprague, right, is a great guy. He's my brother in the Lord, and we're going to take our time, our talents, and our resources. Actually, David caught the fish, so maybe he's really the talented one. But the time, the talent, and the resources to take David out and do the day with him. See, worship has this idea attached to it that you come low to lift others up. That's the, that's the picture we'll come to here when the Magi come and finally meet Jesus face to face. But this worship is such an important thing in our lives because it keeps us in perspective of exactly who we are before a holy and mighty God and a loving and righteous Savior. So this is a phenomenal opportunity to come and worship. So it says then in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, wise men, or magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, 
Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the Magi, um, I'm going to talk about these guys a little bit. This is really something else. Uh, You start doing research on something and you get in your head, where you're kind of going in in a message, and all of a sudden you start looking at it and you go, there's not a lot of details out there about the Magi. Not from Matthew's account, not anywhere else really. But if you go outside of the Bible, there's all kinds of historical ponderings Right? And postulations put out there where people have looked and tried to study, and what, what are these magi? What are they about? Who are these wise men? Where did they come from? And uh, so I, I want to throw some of that information out there because I, I think it's important to set the field of Christ's arrival. So magi, um, the wise men from the east, it's believed that they're from Babylon. And this is an old tribe, an ancient tribe, of priests, and these priests were people that actually had interact, interaction in the Old Testament. And one of the people they interacted with is Daniel. In Daniel chapter 5, uh, verse 11, it talks specifically about how Daniel, right, you had, you, in chapter 5, you already had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were um, thrown in the furnace and then delivered. But in chapter 5, Daniel, right, is... is uh, being able to interpret dreams, and that's just one of the things that these um, wise men were able to do then in Babylon. There was a man, and in verse 11 it says, there is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy gods, in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the father, the, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. So these wise men that came Theoretically, right, it's not something out of the Bible, but historically, it looks like these wise men were able to do various things in society. And they were considered astrologers and astronomers, right? The astrology is, you know, trying to predict within our lives how the, the celestial bodies affect our lives personally, right? We did, today we call their horoscopes. They kind of tampered with that. They would use divination where they would take like divining rods and they would try and seek out God's will. They would try to interpret dreams. They would do magic. But they were also very schooled. They were great in mathematics. They were great in politics. They were, they, these guys were highly revered. They were highly regarded. This was not some, and I, I don't want to downplay this, but if you've been like me, you've grown up in a church where when you see a play or someone talks about the three wise men, you think of them kind of like, extroverted librarians where they, you know, actually went out, you know what I mean, right? Isn't that what you think of when you think of, the, think of those guys? That's, that's really what I thought of, right? They were really nice guys. They showed up and they had a little box of gifts. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's exact. There, now, there's some people, you know, a lot of us assume it's three, three wise men because what? Of the number of gifts that were given. It's kind of a, seems to be a logical deduction. But if you look at these guys, you understand who they were and what they meant to the society that they lived in. These guys were a big deal. These guys were celebs, right? Their lives were involved with pomp and circumstance because it says here they were king makers. Not a lot of more people in a civilization that are powerful than the guy who can make or take down a king, right? These guys were a big, big deal. 
So these guys, the wise men, when they came, though I, I think the important thing was we know that they were seekers. Now, if you th- think back to Daniel, here he is, like over 500 years earlier, he becomes the ruler over this group of people in Babylon, right, when he's in captivity. And he did a really good job of teaching these guys because one of the things about their belief system was that they were monotheistic. In a world that was polytheistic, where you know, people who believed in many gods, this was a unique thing. All right. Now, did they believe in Jesus Christ? No. They had this belief system that got introduced to them uh, by this guy, Zoroaster. So he, was a Zoro- he taught the Zoroastrianism that uh, they kind of followed along with. But they believed in duality, where there's a conflict going on between good and evil. And so these guys were coming in, and they, they actually at that time didn't have a king that was ruling them. And so they came in looking for another king. But they knew enough about God's word because of Daniel and the testimony there during captivity. How many people like being in captivity? <laughs> I would dread it, right? But Daniel was who he was supposed to be and loved and had a fantastic relationship with his heavenly father. And what did God do? Even in captivity, he lifted him up. So there may be people here this morning, you're feeling like you're captive to society. You feel like you're captive to your paycheck. You feel like you're captive to your circumstances. Circumstances, Don't look at your circumstances. Look at the Lord. Ask him, what am I doing where I'm at? What have you got me here for? What is going on? Where do I go next? And it's good if you don't know. Why? Because it drives you right back to worship. You're on your knees. Right? And literally, the word, the word worship means literally on your knees, head touching the ground. I mean, you are completely humbled. And that's a good thing. Is it always a comfortable thing? No. Not at all. But sometimes it's way more than comfortable. Right? It's supernaturally awesome. So we look forward to, the, to those kind of circumstances from that perspective. Now, uh, these guys were not just seekers. I think they were also this. They were called. They had this incredible education. They had this incredible system of handing down traditions. All right? And so generations later, these guys still had it in their heart about this king of the kings. Right? That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel. Right? Your king, your God is Lord of all kings. And so they still have this in their traditions. And so then when they are called by God, they listen. And not only did they listen, they followed him. Now, I, I just think this is just so amazing how God strings together. And, and, you know, we are impatient and we think about things in the context of our lives and our lifetimes. This took hundreds of years. Your worship today, will it be known if Christ tarries hundreds of years from now? Will it have affected your family, your friends, right, to the, to the extent that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the son or daughter of the Most High God, the Lord of all kings? That's what we're after. I don't want to leave a legacy about how wonderful and awesome I am. I want to leave a legacy that 
Everybody I know that I come in contact with knows there is a way to God. There is a way to escape eternal damnation. Carl Beardsley asked me before service, he goes, are you preaching on hell today? He goes, we could use a little warmer in here. <laughs> so we'll, we'll throw that in there, Carl, as a tidbit for you. But, but no, we, I don't want anybody that I know to not be with me in heaven. So God calls these guys, right? He didn't call the cream of the crop. He didn't call the great um, Jewish scholars. We'll see. We'll talk about them in just a second here. But, but it's like, he was after it. God was just after it. He went after these guys that he prepared for over hundreds of years to get ready to do exactly what they did. So when these guys were seeking, they come along. And, and this is another thing, too. You think about this. So a couple hundred years or more before Jesus was born, there was a road that was formed. It's called the Silk Road. And it's called the Silk Road because China would support and send um, silk and other things, medicines and such, from China and transport them across this land path that would go from China all the way through what we would call like Iran, Iraq, Syria there. They'd go to the Holy Land, they'd go up the Holy Land and around the corner, past Ephesus to Corinth and then off over to Rome. And then eventually up into Great Britain and that type of thing, okay, before it was Great Britain, but up into the northern country. So this is an incredible opportunity. You think about this. So here's Jesus, or here's the Lord. He's preparing these guys for hundreds of years. And in the meantime, the gospel, the good news, the, the teachings that they have are being spread from China all the way over to Rome. All right? Are, are they complete? No. But that's another thing. It wasn't just like, you know, they were sending gold, actually, back from uh, gold and silver and such, back from uh, the west to the east but they were transporting information. It was actually a really sophisticated system. So looking at it, it like, they didn't have like Motel 6s, but they had like west rest stops where you could come, get, get a fresh ride, you'd come and stay, you could have a lodging, but it went throughout points along this road. So it's just an incredible system, the ability to take and spread the gospel across the world. So that when Christ came and these guys meet him, you think that puts some of the pieces of the puzzle together? That was incredible, right? When you think about how quickly and how fast in ancient times it could happen. Now, it was about 1400 and some BC, uh, AD that um, the, the road kind of got closed down as dynasties ruling in China changed. But it still kept going because they kept sailing around the world to get new accesses and find ways to get used to the, you know, to the goods that they got used to getting because they didn't want to go without those. The next thing, too, they're, they're called to worship. Um, in chapter 1, verse uh, 17, it says this. If I can find verse 17. I'll start with Herod. When Herod came, excuse me, I'll start in 13, I guess it is. I uh, don't know. Nope, nope, I'm going to back up, guys. Sorry, I must have just typed something here. Okay. Thank you. Let's get a little recola. I'm going to sing the song. It's going to be great. Um, 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly to ascertain from what time the star had appeared. He said to them in Bethlehem, excuse me, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had, they had seen when, they, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So here they come to worship. They brought their gifts. So it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold to acknowledge his royalty. Frankincense, his divinity, and myrrh, his coming death. But as you think about this, you look at it and say, hey, these guys came, non-Jews, to bring the recognition to this baby that was due him. He was, in, tr in truth, royalty and divine. His own people, they had the Old Testament, they had the, they had the scriptures, they had the priests. These guys were obtuse. They did not get it at all. But isn't it an amazing and wonderful thing that God, even though the children of Israel, his chosen people, when they didn't get it, he constantly had in his mind a redemptive process for the whole world. So these men who would come, what we would call in the New Testament Gentiles, they came. They represented us. They were God's invitation to get in on the plan. And they had an opportunity to be in the forefront of it. That's an amazing and wonderful thing, how God is constantly reaching out to us. And, you know, there, there's, that, there's that question about, well, do you seek God or does God just chase you down, right? I think it's a good question. And I, I think both things are right, <laughs> right? I mean, these guys had this tradition, but God supernaturally stepped in and he invited them to become part of things. He wanted them to have this unbelievable opportunity. Now, you think about this, um, has anybody studied a little bit about Herod? King Herod. King Herod. Was he a nice guy? No. Was not a nice guy. I got all the college girls over here going, no, no, no. You know, well, they're not college anymore. Graduates. Well, most of them are graduates. But, um, but no. Herod was mean, ruthless, dirty, and nasty. The guy was terrible. Have his wife put to death, kids. What, if, you, if he didn't like you, you were done. So here are these three wise men, the librarians out on a field trip. They show up to this dirty, mean, and nasty guy, and they go, oh, yeah, we want to see the real king of the Jews. How do you think that went over with Herod? There are people that speculate that the wise men, there might have even actually been hundreds or thousands of people in that entourage that traveled. Right? See, because Herod was the despot of who? Rome. Because he placated Rome, he worked for Rome, right? He was in Rome's hip pocket. He was not a good guy. He wasn't a Jew. All right? But the thing is, he, he, he would not tolerate anybody who stood up to him. Unless you what? You presented an overwhelming power and presence that he knew he could not defend himself against. So what does he say? Right? Like the bully who gets stepped back by someone who's willing to stand up to him, he goes, 
Oh, hey, guys, hey, hey what you doing? Uh, can I be involved? Hey, if you find out about it, would you come back and tell me? Right. Was it risky, do you think? Right? Herod had an army. Was it risky, do you think, for these wise men to come? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was really risky. I think they could have chickened out. But they didn't. Because they were powerful. They had authority. Right? Humanly speaking, they didn't really fear Herod, did they? Right? But I'll tell you what, because he was dirty and conniving, he could have tried something else. But they didn't, didn't back down from him at all. The last thing I want to talk about here is that God invited him to enjoy this journey. Um, do, you ever, do you ever, has anybody here ever met someone famous? Yeah. Do you geek out a little bit? Right? Like, you don't want to. Last night, so, oh, you know, so Jill was watching a, uh, a movie last night, and the reason she was watching, is it, watching it is one of her girlfriends is an actress. It was in the movie. I thought, that's really cool. That's kind of fun. My wife's kind of, you know, all this and all that. Despite, you know, it's, it's over and above being the hotness. But, <clears throat> you know, so, so, but it's really fun. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She is. But anyway, so it was really fun for her to have that bit of notoriety, right? To, I know someone famous. I know someone that's really super cool. I know someone that's been lifted up in our society. It's just fun. And, it, and when you meet people like that, that you kind of like, you know, have a crush on or, you know, something like that or had a crush on, um, it, it's, it does something to you, right? You just kind of go, wow, this is amazing stuff. So these guys were going, and think about this though. How many people would feel like that when you're going to meet a baby? It, it doesn't carry the same kind of weight, generally speaking, does it? Right? You're just going to see a, a child, an infant, right? You pinch their cheeks, go coochie-coo, right? You can sit down. But, but that's not what was going on here. When these guys met Jesus, they immediately fell to their knees, head to the ground, and worshipped. They humbled themselves. They made themselves low, and they lifted him up so that he could be exalted to have the place he rightfully deserved. Isn't that an amazing thing? Jesus did not go to battle and on the battlefield shed the blood of his enemies and claim his throne. Jesus was not elected as a political puppet. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords from the beginning. From the beginning, not his, not his being conceived as Mary's baby. From the beginning. And this is exactly what God overwhelmed these men with as they came and worshiped and they fell down. And folks, do you feel like that at this Christmas season? There's a lot of great things, a lot of fun things that we get to participate in. But do we ever lose it? Um, would you put up the slide there, the Christmas tree? So as these guys were asked to participate in this journey, it was supernatural that it was done. So, um, how many people have a tree that looks kind of like this? Right, at their house? It's really fun, a lot of fun decorating. How many have this rule at their house? 
<clears throat> December is nothing but Christmas music. I see Megan shaking his head over, over there, yes. And Jake is doing a good job as a happy husband and not making a, not making a sound. He's just, doing, just sitting there obeying. So, <clears throat> but, but we have that law at our house. It's a law. It's a law. And I didn't get it when we were first married, but it's, you know, you get married, you kind of get a little smarter, and you catch up on things, or, you know, you've been hit enough times, punched in the shoulder or whatever, to, you know, finally wake up. But what we do at our house is that, and, and it's, there's, there's always the creep involved. So Jill, Jill, when Jill and I, years ago, she's like, well, I would just like to play, like, Christmas music all through December, because I, I love it, it's my season, she loves snow, sorry, you know, all these great things, right? And so, so we do nothing but play Christmas music for the whole month of December. Now, that has backed up, because now we're playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> and, and you know what? And Grant is happy to do so. This is, this is an important thing. I've also watched at least four, yeah, at least four Hallmark movies. I mean, it's been a good, good Christmas already, and we're not even there yet, you know? <laughs> So, uh, I, and my wife loves it when I get to speak. That poor, <laughs> that poor lady, she's just going to, uh, I'm sorry, she just, the Lord really, really is going to take care of her uh, in, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a tremendous way. But, um, but no, so we have these things, but what's the purpose of the tree? It's a place to put the star. Everything on the tree points to what? The star. Right? All the baubles and bulbs and everything else and and it's gorgeous it's beautiful we love having it up and it's fake so it doesn't shed needles all over the house right we did that for years but what happens here is that as we sit and, and another thing that's really fun the lights on in that room right now but you sit in the room with all the rest of the lights turned off and it just draws your attention doesn't it you can just soak it in you just keep looking at that star, going, this is just absolutely amazing. And this is exactly what was going on. The Magi, the wise men, they just followed the star. Now, there's all kinds of speculation as to what the star is. Oh, it's Jupiter and Saturn aligning. Oh, it's Halley's Comet. Oh, it's this. What's that? It's an asteroid. Oh, this. It's constantly that. What, what about this? What if the star, because it didn't act like a star, right? It would move, and it would stop, it would be there, and come back and appear again. Right? And it was also labeled his star by the wise men who were astrologers and astronomers. They knew everything about everything about the stars. What if it was the Shekinah glory? What if that light was God's supernatural? Just like he, just like he did at the transfiguration, just like he's going to do when Christ comes back. That glory is going to shine. Unmistakably, irrevocable in the minds of these magi, that was his star. There was no one else that that could be for. There was no other heavenly body that it could be. That was his star. Isn't that incredible when you think about that? I think it's for, for people it's so hard sometimes to realize that we're not just telling stories. We're conveying history we're conveying the truth. We're conveying life transformation because this is the reality. Don't get caught up in all the great and wonderful side stuff that's going on right now. This wonderful reality is this. 
there is a supernatural loving heavenly father who sent his son, his baby, his one and only son, to come as a baby to eventually become the conquering king. I saw, I found a little poem by Leslie Savage, and uh, it says, A baby's hand in Bethlehem, the baby's hands in Bethlehem were soft and small and softly curled, but held within their dimpled grasp the hope of all the world. Truth. Right? Truth. That's awesome. That's awesome. Weak, frail, fragile, just like every other one of us when we're born. In need of protection. Right? In need of care. Constant. And some of us, constant supervision even now. Right? But that's exactly what God sent. He sent this hope for us in this incredibly small, tiny, fragile package. Um, guys, I've lost my place here, which happens constantly when I talk. But um, let's, just, let's just skip, if you would, to uh, the second to last slide. Okay, Matthew 1, 22 and 23. Brad and I often joke, he's such a great job at speaking, and I said, what do, I think, what do you think I do? He goes, you get up there and you kind of more like have a conversation. So we're going to keep the conversation going for just another minute or two. But when he heard, uh, here we go. Okay, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So it was spoken, I'm sorry, I read the, read the wrong verse here. Sorry, backed up. I was chapter 2 and I need to be in chapter 1. Here we go. <laughs> Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. God, since he created everything, has always been with us. Always been with us. And you may be in this point right now in your life, and what's going on here this month or in the coming weeks, and you need some supernatural strength and intervention. God's with you. God's with you. He's literally with you in the person of the Holy Spirit right now. Right? Uh, last verse is John 3, 17. And we could go in, and, and I had some other verses, but we could talk about him being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'll tell you, this is it. Why did God send Jesus? He didn't send them to condemn the world. He didn't, send, he didn't send them to condemn the Magi who didn't know him personally. He didn't send them to condemn the Jewish people who basically had the same reaction to this story that the new king of Israel 
was here. Right? And they didn't receive him. No, he came to save us from ourselves. It would be great if we were that smart that every time God dropped a hint, we caught it immediately. But we're just not. We're just not. And if you think you are, let's sit down and talk and I'll show you where you're not. Okay. But we are this. We are loved. We're loved and we're forgiven. How are you forgiven? You simply have to ask for it. There's no working. There's no effort. It's just you are loved and you love the Lord. And that's it. Confess your sins. Ask Christ to be your Savior. And he will. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to get up and speak. I thank you for the people that are here this morning. Hopefully this has been somewhat beneficial to them. And Father, as we um, just really revel in this call to worship this morning, and we thank you for the example of the Magi. Lord, even as we stand to sing and, and praise your name and do it with great enthusiasm from the, soul, from the, in the deepest parts and regions of our soul, Father, we just lift you up. And we put ourselves before you in the right place that you want us to be. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come and to be readjusted, to have our thinking changed and challenged, to know that you will guide us through this even if we can't see every step of the way. But you'll reveal that to us as we need to have it, as we need to know it, so that we can have complete confidence in what you're doing, what you're doing in your purposes and plans and how that looks, how that looks in our lives as we join you just as the Magi joined you, we join you, right, to follow in faith. Not some blind, senseless thing, but to understand the fulfillment of what you've called into existence. And Lord, that we get to be part of that. We get to enjoy the rewards of that now. And we thank you for the rewards you're going to give us later for doing that very thing. So Lord, we come to you as humble and made worthy because you have taken away our sins and restored us and deposited the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can truly hear and follow you. We thank you for these things in Christ's name. Amen.